Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Oh, it's been a long week, man. Oh, has it been like 10 days? We're talking about Hurricane Dorian. Dorian. It's been so long. Last Tuesday, uh, which does seem like 10 days ago, um, is when I... I first started gathering my supplies. That was August 27th, and we're recording this on September 6th. Oof. Long. It's been a long, drawn-out hurricane. You know what it feels like to me? What's that? It feels like when you get ready for a surgery, and then you have the surgery, and then you have to do the post-op care, and the surgery itself takes, you know, two or three hours, but it's all the surrounding events and activities that just make it feel, that make 10 days feel like 100. All the preparation. All the things of, of this caregiver life. All the things. That's a, that's a really good phrase for us. All the things. We, we had, so you were, you were in the path of the hurricane. You didn't know if it was going to make landfall by you be a hurricane what was the what was the highest strength it was predicted to hit you at one point at one point it was going to be a cat three like direct impact Mm -hmm. and that was when at that point it was a it was a five um and it was stalled over the had started to stall over the bahamas Originally, I mean, it was somewhere between a two and a three the whole time. They just didn't know where it was going to make landfall. If it was going to be South Florida, Central Florida. Um, I live in Northeast Florida. So it was just the cone of uncertainty was the entire state of Florida. Um, and it never came ashore in Florida. It was about 75 miles um east in the Atlantic of shore. So um, where I live, I live a little bit inland. Um, We were quite a ways away from the eye and um, we got a lot of wind and some rain, but it wasn't, it wasn't an event. The only event was that everything was closed and it was terribly inconvenient. Mm, And it could be so much worse, of course. I mean, we've seen the horrendous effects of Dorian on, um, on the Bahamas. We, we still, the story of the Bahamas still, really hasn't been told in full yet i think it's going to be horribly shocking Mm, i agree i think we're going to find out many you know the destruction when when you see the aerial view of destruction it looks like a landfill yeah and i think um you know we're it's such a blessing um that north florida and other parts of the country have not you know, been impacted as deeply. We've had a few fatalities, which is terribly tragic, but um, our country for the most part has a fortified structures, an emergency re- response system, 
a lot of safety nets in place. And for the people of the Bahamas, you know, even well-fortified buildings can't withstand a Cat 5 direct hit. And um, on a small island, I mean, there just aren't the resources. No, there aren't. I, I didn't even realize that the Bahamas was actually that small. Have you ever been there? Um, I have. Yeah, I have been to the Bahamas. Yeah, I've never been there. So I, I guess I really just don't pay that much attention to it. So when I was watching uh, the Weather Channel, well, you know, of course, you get a lot of education watching the Weather Channel, and I didn't realize actually how small it was. So the infrastructure is not the same as we would have in our major cities here in America. Well, yeah. And um, I think also there is a great deal more poverty in the Bahamas than, than we have in even our, our poorest of, of cities here in America. And um, one thing that I noticed here in Northeast Florida is that the, the preparations vary by, um, you know, e- economic circumstances. So in the really nice parts uh, of Florida where you have homes who have built with hurricane um, fortified windows and doors, you know, they're not boarding up with plywood. They don't have to. They either have building materials that will sustain hurricane damage or they have shutters or um, then you then you see the complete opposite end in the uh, in the very poor neighborhoods where they're just using scrap wood or nothing at all. They have no funds to get emergency water or to evacuate anywhere. Um, and then in the middle, you see the middle class. So, um, you know, neighborhoods like mine where people, they board up with their plywood that they maybe have had for years and years and they've sort of numbered it because they can't really afford to buy plywood every year, but they also can't afford to buy hurricane shutters or hurricane reinforced windows. Um, they're the ones who are at the store buying, buying four packs of water and getting sandbags from the city because, you know, the neighborhood infrastructure isn't as good. Uh, but they know they can hang on or maybe they're going to evacuate and they just want to secure their property till they get back. And that's so when you take a look at the neighborhoods, it's really a telling story, not just about how we deal with hurricanes or natural disasters, but, you know, how we deal with life. Uh, if you have means, you're able to triage things like surgery and, and caregiving emergencies much, much easier, more efficiently than people who are economically suppressed. Oh yes, and there's many many caregivers um, that are are both. You know, they're a caregiver, and you're economically depressed. You know, you're struggling to make ends meet, and you're trying to figure out what is the best decision to make under this most dire of circumstances. And I, it comes down to such. I mean, we could give some some ideas. You know, we've done that before. Things to think about and kind of emergency books to make, but when it comes down to it, it's really your instinct as to what's going to work right in that situation. And most of us do not know the inner layers of the caregiving that you do. You're, you've been a multiple caregiver throughout your life. And recently you've cared for two people who are special in your life. Um, when you, you didn't even really expect it, but thankfully you have a good, you know, toolbox full of tools, <laughs> caregiver tools that you can draw upon these days. But some people are brand new at being a caregiver. So, 
you know, how, how do we help them think about it? I think that that's an important um, theme and one we are going to expand upon in season two when we, when we finally get up and running with season two, the theme is getting help. So how do we get help? How do we utilize it? How do we ask for help? How do we accept help? It's not, none of those things are easy to do. And if you're struggling economically, even more difficult for you to do. Yeah. And um, also I think that we tend to think that every organization, every program, you know, operates to help the people who need it the most first, but that's not always the case. Nope, it's not. And it, it can be, it can be difficult. And sometimes the organizations that you're, um, that you're working with who are, or who are reaching out, perhaps, they don't even really understand your situation. So it's hard for them to understand what your needs are. We, we, I was looking at an organization um, website earlier today, and they said that they assist injured and ill veterans. And I think about ALS, which is, you know, my, the primary caregiving I do is for, you know, Tom with ALS. And it, it's not an illness, it's a disease. So right there, if they're caring for veterans with ALS or they, they're seeking to assist them, they're not even understanding the fundamentals right there. And yeah. illness is not a disease, two different things. Yeah, um, I actually, I have to kind of say that also when I sometimes do a little consulting or um, uh, provide caregiver perspective on different assets that are being created in the military and veteran space. And oftentimes people will refer to uh, veterans who have been shot, blown up um, as being injured. And in fact, they're not injured, they're wounded. And there is a distinct, there is a distinction between being wounded in combat and being injured. And um, certainly being injured is, you know, bad. It's as dire as being wounded, sometimes more dire, sometimes the the disability is greater. Um, But it's in, in our community, words matter. So whether it's injured, wounded, illness or disease, uh, the, the caregiver and the per- and the care recipient who are dealing with those conditions really identify in a certain way. And I think when organizations uh, want to, to reach uh, caregivers and their care recipients, they need to understand that their messaging matters. Hmm. That's a really good point. Well, our messaging for this caregiver life is for any caregivers who walk the walk that we do, which is the caregiver journey from any, from any facet, from whether it's so you're caring for somebody who's wounded or injured or has a disease or is ill. Sometimes caregiving is a, is a short spurt. It's a little time period in your life that you're caring for somebody maybe who had surgery and they're going to recover. Somebody who has an injury might recover from the injury, go through rehab. Somebody who's wounded or injured may, be going, may, may never get back to where they were, um, but they'll continue to rehab. And there are some some diseases and conditions you can't recover from that are terminal, like like ALS or Alzheimer's, and then there's some that are. Diabetes is can be manageable, you know those kinds of things. Well, we we hope that all caregivers from all walks of life will will get something out of some of the podcasts that we have already done and that we have going forward. So I want to touch a little bit on um, on the hurricane. You you first. 
um, alerted me last week about the hurricane coming. I wasn't paying attention, probably because I didn't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I wasn't, I was not too aware of that. My mom has Alzheimer's. She's newly diagnosed, but probably more toward the middle stage um, of having Alzheimer's maybe even toward the mid late stage, if there is such a thing, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm kind of new to Alzheimer's as a diagnosis that's in my family that I'm doing caregiving for, whether I'm doing hands-on caregiving or distance caregiving, I'm still, and I've done a little bit of both, um, probably more long distance. It's still now part of my world. So it's, so it's pretty new for me. And my mom lives in Florida, so that's why you were letting me know that this hurricane was coming because that's when we were going to get her. I was meeting my sister in Florida to get my mom to pack up some of her things to get her to California where my sister is. And we, you said, hey, there's a hurricane coming. And I said to myself, hey, stop telling me that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear that right now. I have too many things to do. It takes me a lot to prep to leave tom behind while i go do this other thing whatever the other thing is whether it's taking care of my mom or travel or whatever the other thing is it just takes a lot for me to prepare properly for tom um so but i heeded your advice and we shortened up our our travel we changed our travel plan so that we left earlier rather than later rather than staying as many days and i think that's probably my biggest takeaway for for caregivers is flexibility is prime. That has to be one of the top five attributes you have to learn to create within yourself. Because usually our attributes are really who we are, but flexibility is not always something that we've always had. But in order to withstand these catastrophic things like catastrophic diseases and wounds and hurricanes and tornadoes and fires, things that we can't control. We have to be flexible. We have to be on the move to think about things. Think about worst case scenario. So that, this would be perfect for you to for you to replay the uh, worst case scenario uh, podcast that we did for our other podcast, Sarcasm Sisters, because it really was the worst case scenario for you, for me. And then the hurricane actually came here. It visited us here on the coast of North Carolina, rudely visited us. <laughs> it did. And I am, I definitely will prepare that episode and post it here in this caregiver life. Um, and I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the top five attributes of a healthy caregiver. And one of them is flexibility. I wasn't as concerned that you would get trapped um, in Florida with your mom, although that sounded horrible um, as it was concerned I wasn't concerned that you would be, you know, hunkered down in a bathtub uh, with the power out and and limbs hitting the house. But I was concerned that you wouldn't be able to get back to your care, your primary caregiving situation for for Tom, for your husband. And I know about travel nightmares and I know what hurricanes do to airports. Um, They, you know, they close them down and then there's 10 flights for for 5,000 people and they can't get everybody on the planes. And I, I knew that would cause you undue stress. Um, and the last thing any caregiver needs is undue stress. If it can be triaged in advance. Yeah, no, it was, it was brilliant of you to bring all of that to my attention. Um, and I didn't even miss my yoga session that day. 
<laughs> I, I put the airlines on uh, speakerphone in my car. And between my house and getting to yoga, I had changed my flight plans. And you are so right, because the worst thing that could have happened was for me to not be back here for Tom, who can't drive himself. And he would not been, have been able to handle any other bigger issues that might have come along. We did end up with a Cat 2 hurricane. And it was brutal. I think, you know, today is a beautiful day. It was beautiful, uh, beautiful when we woke up. But when we went to bed last night, man, the trees looked like they were going to snap in the backyard. And if came down and then we have the dogs and the list goes on and on when you're caregivers. These, these are kind of the things that people who feel like they have the right answer for you, like, well, you should just evacuate. Well, that's not always so, that's not so easy to do depending on what your situation is. You kind of really have to measure out your situation and the circumstances and um, make your decision and then live with it. No, you can't have regrets because you're just making the decision the best that you can at that moment in time. Yeah. And I think, uh, you, you know, you talked about you can't always leave. You, you know, we can be as flexible as possible, but sometimes there are fixed considerations. Uh, moving, moving a care recipient who requires a lot of equipment and a lot of um, accommodations that's not always easy. Also, uh, caregivers and their care recipients are often on really fixed incomes, and that doesn't allow for hotel rooms or, or gas expenses to drive away from a hurricane. And then I think we also have to think about the, the stress that leaving puts on the family, on the, you know, on the caregiver who's already stressed, and the care recipient who, who doesn't know how it's all going to be managed. And, and we, we need to think about they feel like a burden most of the time anyway, and then even more so during stressful times like natural disasters. Mm, those are really good points to make. Yeah, so from a personal perspective with the preparation, there's a lot of preparation for us to evacuate. There's a lot of things that have to be taken into consideration. Tom needs a breathing machine at night. It's battery powered. It's actually electric, but it has batteries. It has two backup batteries then I have another breathing machine, same one, two batteries. So those things have to go in the car. That sounds pretty easy, but then you have to make sure you have a month's supply of medication on hand Ooh. that you're going to take with you. Then I have to get a, I have a special mattress cover for him that's in four parts and it get, they get snapped together. So I've taken them apart and I put them in the closet upstairs because now he has a hospital bed because he can't turn in bed so we have to avoid pressure sores and so that this particular mattress it's kind of like an air mattress but that's really simplifying and it's a really high-tech air mattress it it um moves the air around um throughout mm. the night you can hear it actually even like pumping air in and letting air out and pumping air in in various parts of the mattress so that it'll take pressure off of a hip and pressure off of a shoulder and then it will then it will add some pressure to that so that you're constantly changing it and he's and he's moving so to you know obviously I can't take a hospital bed with me so I have these other toppers that can go on it and they're heavy they have to come down from upstairs they have to go in the car he's diabetic so I have to make sure that I have enough water and food with me we have three dogs the list oh. goes on and by the time I've packed the car 
I then have to drive four and a half hours to my daughter's. And why yeah. would I go there? Because why wouldn't I go there? She's my daughter. You know, she's our daughter. She wants us to come there. She's She set up her house. She had a house built a year and a half ago. So that was all one floor and compatible enough for Tom should he need to be there for whatever reason. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't I go there? I could wear my, my t-shirt without a bra if I needed to there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Can't just do that anywhere. So, um, you know, and then I don't have to pay for a hotel room and, and all that. But it's a lot of work uh, to do that. And then you got to come back. And you have to reverse the whole thing on the way back. Yeah. It's a lot. And I don't even have to pay for the for where we stay, like some people do, because we do have Kate. So, you know, I think it's hard when we judge why people stay or why people leave. And, you know, one, some of the things that we hope with this podcast is that we begin to people who are listening, caregivers begin to build their own toolbox. If they have a toolbox that's full already, then we welcome our listeners to send us messages, send us a voice message, send us an, an email at thiscaregiverlife at gmail.com. Um, contact us, come on our show. Ask to be a guest. Tell us, tell us what's in your toolbox. We're, we we want to grow ours too. I don't know everything. Yeah, and engage with us on social media. Oftentimes, that's the that's the one uh, social aspect that caregivers have that keeps them from being isolated. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we'd love to connect with you there as well. I think that for me and for you, that's been a, a huge primary support for us as caregivers. And also during times of crisis like surgeries and natural disasters, we use our our social media to, to feel less isolated, to add, add those tools to our toolbox that we need to get through that specific time in our lives. Mm, Good points. Good points. Um, So to all of our listeners, if you're in harm's way or you were in harm's way, we hope that you, you did well. And um, if you need resources or you think there's, there's any questions you have that we may be able to point you in the right direction, Jennifer is especially good at resources. Um, I'm not too bad, but Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer really has her arms wrapped around many organizations. So they are, they are predominantly military veteran, but it doesn't mean that we can't find other resources if they're needed. I don't, we're not, you know, we're not a counseling service or we're not, we're not social workers, that kind of thing, but we are pretty good at connecting people to, to good organizations that could be helpful. We've also started posting resources on our Facebook page uh, so that you can follow us there and find everything from support groups in your local community to uh, national opportunities to connect or to find, to find supportive resources that you may need. And we're, we're going to be continuing to expand that function um, of this caregiver life. Uh, we're very excited about um, season two. We have a lot of plans in store for our listeners. Mayor, do you want to share some of those plans? Are we allowed to? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm going to. Next week, we'll be interviewing um, Denise, a friend of mine. She actually is my hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> and we became fast friends. Um, she does a beautiful job on my hair. Uh, she takes care of her dad, who's, um, he actually is a veteran, though he's not service connected for Parkinson's, which, which really makes this for a great interview. I've, I've followed along 
with Denise and her dad for six years now. And she has had to learn how to get help and ask for help and assess the help that's available. And Mm. it wasn't always easy for her dad to make those transitions. Um, And then he did. And it's really turned out really well. So we were supposed to interview Wednesday, but Denise lives not too far from me. So we both were under hurricane watch. So we, we canceled that interview, but we'll do it next week. We have an interview with um, potential one with home instead, which is a home healthcare agency. I'm still working on that one. And we have one with um, Lindsay, who's the CEO of wealthy. Um, and, and that is a care management business that she created after her experience with caring for her mom. So we're excited about those interviews coming up. I don't, and I have a whole bunch of Dole Foundation fellows that will, will interview in the month of October. So we have, we have a lot of things in the hopper and we're looking forward to sharing them. What about you, Jen? I'm looking forward to um, expanding this uh, top five attributes of healthy caregivers. Um, Asking for help is the theme of season two, but um, we also mentioned flexibility on this call. We're going to be exploring uh, practicing self-care, something that you have really ramped up. You mentioned two two ways that you practice self-care, yoga and getting your hair done. That sounds kind of silly, but I know a lot of caregivers who haven't been to a stylist in years and years. Um, So I'm, I'm excited about just exploring those topics to help our listeners, if you are a caregiver, um, get yourself to that next level of healthy caregiving. And also to our listeners who are not caregivers, um, we want you to continue listening so that you can be aware of the, the issues caregivers are facing, the, the topics um, that are currently on the, on the national uh, caregiving agenda. Uh, one of those is coming up for me next week. I'll be speaking on September 10th in Washington, D.C. at a Caregiver Employment Summit, which is meant to be uh, the kickoff of a a national conversation about employing caregivers. We recently posted some some news articles about that on our our This Caregiver Life Facebook page, but it's uh, it's really a a juggling act, this whole career and caregiving (laughs) lifestyle. Uh, For me, it's something that um, I don't struggle with it anymore, but I do have to manage it. And uh, I I like to think of myself as a better employee because I'm a caregiver. Uh, I, I think that uh, multitasking is my specialty. But I also, uh, I also recognize that for employers, uh, having caregivers on the payroll uh, does offer challenges. So I'm excited about exploring that on September 10th. That, that, uh, conference is being sponsored by AARP as well as um, hiring our heroes in the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. I think there's going to be a number of big players uh, there that can truly make a difference in caregivers, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, will you come on? Will you come back for a podcast after that, and we can have that conversation? You can tell us what you learned. Yeah, let's do it, and um, we can highlight some of the people there. I'm hoping to uh, grab a few interviews uh, while I'm out in D.C. and uh, and bring back some some tools that employers uh, who may be listening can uh, take back to their to their HR departments and to their their workforces to make uh, you know make them more caregiver friendly. Let's face it, uh, there are millions of caregivers in the workforce. I I just read a study. Um, some AARP research that said nearly 60% of the 
um, of caregivers are working. And more than half of those folks are not disclosing to their employers that they are caregivers. They, there's a little fear there, I think. I think so, too. I have discovered that in the ALS caregiver community um, that some of the spouses that must they have to work or they, they really want to keep, continue working, whatever the reason is, they're still in the workplace. They um, maybe it's both. They want to and they need to. Um, ALS is a very expensive disease and we usually need your health care benefits for that, um, which is it, which is another conversation. Medicare doesn't kick in for people with ALS quickly. It still takes, you know, a long time to get Medicare. So that's crazy. So they still work, they continue to work, but they often don't tell their employers what's going on at home and what they're grappling with. They don't want it to be held against them. They don't want them to know. And a lot of times with ALS, very much like Alzheimer's, you have a lot of sleepless nights as a caregiver. I'm not not sure how they function. There's so many things for them to do when they're home. And then they're not sleeping well during the night because if you have Alzheimer's, sometimes your care recipient doesn't sleep well at night. If you have ALS, they're not sleeping well. They have to they need assistance to get up and go to the bathroom, maybe two or three times during the night. It's it's a lot. So it would be an interesting conversation to have. It shouldn't it should not be we should not be discriminated against because we're being we're caregivers. Yep. And, you know, the sad thing is there's no protection for caregivers in the in the workforce. Um, and very few companies even have a policy on supporting their caregiver employees. So um I want to I want to help change that. I want to I want to be part of that uh, national conversation and some initiatives that are taking place. Uh, I'm very, very blessed to have this this opportunity and, um, you know, to take some of the struggles that I've personally been through and that you've been through and and create awareness. But but beyond that, to help maybe create some change. So I love that. So uh, so getting to season two coming soon (laughs) everybody has to be patient because we are caregivers we've had a lot on our plate the last couple weeks Um, but we so for season two getting help asking for help um, sometimes are two different things (laughs) Um, but but they're both really important we we want to explore what help means in season two and we want to build our five caregiver attributes. We think we have one, flexibility. And uh, I think we could work on four more for, yeah. for the rest of this season. And then take one and address that one for the next season, season three in the spring. I'm excited about uh, the opportunities that are coming our way because of this caregiver life. And um, feel free if you're sharing uh, news resources, opinions, uh, challenges on your social media, feel free to uh, use our hashtag, hashtag this caregiver life. Um, we love to pick up that. We're monitoring, um, we're monitoring that tag and, and we hope that we see more of it um, out in the, in the social sphere. Cool. Well, I'm going to get this one um, published today because I can. although we lost power we're on generator i I, and we're we're recording this as mary has just uh hurricane dorian has just passed north carolina um i'm in florida i my 
my gig in New York this week. I couldn't make it. The plane plane wouldn't fly there. So I, uh, I, t- I teleworked. I produced a video that was played in my stead. Nice. Um, <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, we can share it on this caregiver life if we want to. I, I think the uh, the host was really disappointed that I couldn't make it. And, I, you know, that always makes me feel bad. I got to let it go. I can't have regrets, right? I can't, I don't want American Airlines to, to, uh, to feel bad because they couldn't get me there. They've been so good to me otherwise. But, um, but tomorrow I'm going to make it to my event in, uh, in Canton, Georgia. I'm going to a, a polo tournament. Mm, that sounds like fun. Polo for Heroes. It's a fundraiser for Wounded Warrior Project. It's very fancy. I'm gonna gonna wear a sundress and a floppy hat. Um and just enjoy they they have a bourbon tasting and food and all kinds of bouncy houses for kids and just it's gonna be a really wonderful day. Well maybe you could put that on this caregiver life um to share where the event is going to be and what it's about. Yeah, I definitely will. If you're in in the greater Atlanta area and you'd like to do something on September 7th, I realize if you're listening to this after the fact, you can't make it. Uh, but, I, but the invitation is there, of course. And I'll report back about how the uh, how the whole event went in my my proper attire. Mm, pictures, please. <laughs> you got it. Well, Mayor, I hope your power comes back on soon. Me too. But if it doesn't, we'll deal with it. I'm so proud of you for being prepared. That might be one of the top five ab- attributes of a healthy caregiver. Being prepared. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Well, you helped me. So there you go. <laughs> Getting help, asking for help, or accepting help when it's being offered. So that's why, you know, maybe we'll just call it help. Like, you know, the Beatles, like, help, you need somebody. <laughs> and that can Not be like, it. help. Yeah. Help. <laughs> There's so many various memes that could go with help. And it comes in so many different ways. So before we go, I'll say real quick, we had um, last Tuesday, gosh, this week just seems so crazy. I can't even wrap my head around the fact that it's Friday. Yeah. So last Tuesday, my neighbors, two couples and one with their daughter, so five came on my porch, knocked on my door and said, we're here to move your, your furniture. We're here to secure your outdoor furniture. Where do you want us to put it? And I didn't even know what to say. And they said, well, if you don't want us to, we won't. And I said, no, 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 no. I I want you to. I just don't usually have anybody asking if they can help me do the heavy stuff. Like, wait, what? You want to help do? I know. Usually people want to do like the fun things like, oh, I'll sit with Tom while he's painting outside. Well, sure. Of course, everybody wants to eat the cake. Nobody wants to do all the ingredients to get there, you know? So to have somebody, people come and offer their help like that, and I, I took them up on it. Um, Yay! And now I need to get all that stuff off the porch, but that's you know wherever where it's stored. But that's maybe later. I'll get that done. I'll have to ask for help. You got to. It's the only thing that'll get you through most days. <laughs> I know. So I'm gonna have to actually break down and ask for help. As you can hear, that's not easy for me to do. No, but you know, the thing is, um, when you get help for yourself, uh, I think you find over time that you're able to give help to others. So like you're doing here with this podcast, Mary, I just want to compliment you on, on how you're able to really mentor people 
through this this media that that you've created and um, and and be that be that example. I know you're not able to do it hands on, but but you really are uh, an important voice in the caregiver space. Oh, well, thank you, Jen. I think I think all of that about you as well. You've mentored me in the podcasting. I was you had to drag me into that and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I will post the worst case scenario episode um, today also. So our listeners will get a get a nice twofer today. Okay, good. Well, safe travel. I hope you have a fabulous event and I'll I'll keep you posted about our power. All right. Sounds great. All right. Bye, Jen. Bye, Mayor. My postscript for today's podcast. The helpers, they came back. We finished up our podcast. I walked out of my room, was thinking, hmm, what should I do next? Maybe I'll start moving some of this furniture. And then maybe I'll ask for help for some of the bigger pieces. And there they were, standing right at my door, saying, how can we help? I said, okay, come on, let's do it. Let's get it done. So all my furniture is back in place. My beautiful outdoor furniture. It's not really beautiful. It's very cottagey. It's very comfortable. It's very cozy. It's very me. It helps me to have really good days when I can go sit out on my furniture and I need a little quiet time. Sometimes I have my coffee on the front porch and I can watch the sunrise from there. And it's just beautiful. And so the fact that they came over and helped me and I didn't even have to ask. Icing on the cake. Beautiful people. It's really wonderful. If you're thinking that somebody might need your help, ask. And don't feel bad if they say no, but come back and ask again. Don't be afraid to ask other people for help and don't be afraid to accept the help. That's my words for today. Take care, everybody. See you next time.